Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's Thursday, and you are watching AM to DM. I just realized I'm wearing the exact same outfit as yesterday. It's fine. <laughs> Here's a tweet from... <laughs> You know, we're all just doing the best we can. Uh, Here's a tweet from Bojack Horseman. After watching the entire season of Tuca and Birdie, I can safely say that this show isn't just for the birds. Get it? Because it's a show about birds. Mm, Uh, mm. But anyone can enjoy it. You're right, Bojack. Yeah, I'm sorry. This show is so goddamn good. Variety tweeted, 30-something women and their 30-something problems rarely get the attention they deserve, let alone from the male-dominated world of adult animation. This, among a thousand other things, makes Tuca and Birdie a rare treat. A rare treat, but I hope to the point of that tweet that Mm. it's the beginning of a new era because clearly... When you give women the reins. Yeah, people Woo! are wrestling. <laughs> Shout out to Lisa Hanawalt. Mm-hmm. There's a great profile of her in the New yeah. York Times. If you want to follow her on Twitter, she's at Lisa Draws. Mm-hmm. She animated so much of BoJack. She was like the kind of the visionary behind what mm-hmm. BoJack ended up looking like. And now she has her own show and she crushed it. You've watched the whole so season. I've watched the whole season. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, but it just gets better and better. I mean, I'm going to rewatch it. I mean, basically, you know, if you watch BoJack Horseman, my issue with BoJack Horseman is Isaac knows. It's, yeah. it's very well done, but I can't get into it because it makes me too sad. It's yeah. too there. There's a lot of dark stuff in right. there, a but, lot of grief. Yeah, so this show takes the idea of like oh, a world where there's a lot of animals, kind of populated ha- animals, a few humans, um, and it has that silliness, but it's also grounded in realism, body issues, sex, harassment at work, you know, pushing back on your boss to get a raise, all of those things, and it's just done so beautifully. So it's it's full. There's a fullness there. And yes, there are dark moments, you know, of like course. Jack Horseman, Absolutely. but it, it's just more uh, a richness. The characters richness. are so well-developed. And yes. again, I almost want to just stop. Like, I don't even want to compare the two shows. It's just that this show, the characters are so incredibly compelling. They're so well-developed, but it also brings such joy. Like, even the opening, mm-hmm. the opening, uh, just too good, Birdie, Birdie, and too good. It just brings me such joy when yeah. you sit down to watch it. So if you're not watching it, please start watching it. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I've uh, seen some people say it's like the spiritual sister of Broad City, for example. So. Exactly. Shout out. So let's take it to the timeline, though. Are you watching the show? Do you love it? Let us know using the hashtag am to dm or is there a new show that's out there right now that you really just want to say we wanted to start the day off by talking about what we love tell us what you're loving right now using the hashtag am to dm embrace this moment do you feel good do you feel hopeful let's ruin it we're going live from the district with buzzfeed news politics reporter nitty Prakash. cash uh nitty before we get into our democratic crisis um i've been told that you like tuka and birdie as well right I love it. It's so good. (laughs) Do you have like a favorite character? Do you have a favorite episode? Oh my God. I mean, I love all the characters. I think the moment it got me hooked was the way that it dealt with sexual harassment. So like one of the characters is like sexually harassed at work and she's trying to like kind of just like get on with it and not tell her anyone close to her. But she's walking around with like a literal hole in her heart the whole day. And that was just like, I mean, the surrealism just like, Hits you in the gut, you know. It's beautiful. So, so yeah, like her I'm, boob, I'm totally like her in love with it. Worker grabs her boob, and her boob is like, "Fuck this!" and literally leaves. Yeah, it's like, I, and I I'm out. That, that right. Is the other thing that I think makes it so wonderful. It's so grounded in reality. Right. It's got such real issues, but there is, like you just said, this surrealist, yeah. Yeah. surrealism yeah. to it that's so amazing. <laughs> all right, but sadly, we can't talk about Tuca and Birdie all day. Here's a tweet from Zoe Tillman: The House Judiciary Committee has voted 24 to 16 to find Attorney General Bill Barr in contempt. It now goes to the the full house for consideration. This is the first contempt proceeding of the Trump administration and probably not the last the way things are going. Well, okay. Uh, Here's a clip um, from CBS News of House Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler after that vote. 
We've talked for a long time about approaching a constitutional crisis. We are now in it. We are now in a constitutional crisis. I thought he was going to say, we are now in the end game. We are now in the end game. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's, we are now, he's like, we're now in a constitutional crisis. Nitty, why are we in a constitutional crisis now? Mm-hmm. Why weren't we before? What's changed? I mean, look, I think that House Democrats have been kind of extending their deadlines and kind of saying we're going to give him a couple more days to see whether he will, you know, come out with the report, whether he's going to cooperate with all the requests that we're making. And I think it's finally hit a point where it's very clear that that's not going to happen, especially because now you have the White House kind of getting involved. Now they're getting involved as well. Well, what would be the outcome of the House vote? Do we have expectations about how this will play out? So, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a weird one because obviously the Justice Department is not going to enforce that vote uh, to hold the Attorney General in contempt, which means that basically they're going to have to go a legal route, which, you know, with that stuff, who knows how long that would take or where that'll end up. That could be, you know, weeks, months, years. Wow. Okay, so that's, again, I feel like that's the answer so often, right? It's like, oh, it's going to go to the courts Mm -hmm. and that could take forever. Do we know what's next with Bill Barr? How's he doing? (laughs) I mean, look, there are some Dems who have come out and called for his resignation. He's shown no sign of kind of paying any attention to that. And certainly there's no calls for that from the Republican side. Um, He seems pretty kind of secure in his position at the moment. He certainly has the backing of the president. Um, So I guess that's kind of like where he's come out at this point um, out of this whole situation. Okay, I saw uh, in an interview with the Washington Post uh, House leader uh, Nancy Pelosi described Trump as becoming self-impeachable or behaving in a self-impeachable way. And so I just wanted to ask what that meant. Um, Does that mean that impeachment Mm. proceedings could change this whole conversation? That is a great question. And honestly, uh, I don't know that it actually means anything in terms of a changed stance from her or from Dems. They're all still kind of like holding back from full on saying he needs to be impeached. Um, What she said in that interview was that he's building the case against himself, but didn't go so far as to say that he should be impeached still. All right. Well, that is the democratically controlled House. Let's talk about the Republican controlled Senate. Here's a tweet from Maggie Haberman. A day after Mitch McConnell took to the Senate floor to declare case closed on all of this, uh, the Senate Intel Committee in the GOP controlled Senate has subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr., which is not, I think, what he was expecting or hoping for. So why did this committee decide to issue a subpoena? Mm -hmm. So this is something that's kind of been on the cards for a while Um, on both the Senate and the House sides. There's been speculation that he would be brought up to testify, obviously, because of his potential involvement in all of this Russia stuff. Um, It is pretty significant in that it's the first time that a member of Donald Trump's family has been called up to testify under a subpoena. Um, So that's pretty significant. And a lot of Democrats were pretty reluctant to kind of cross that line. But again, like all this escalation that we've seen in the weeks since the Mueller report um, came out, I think that's it's kind of like the natural conclusion at this point. All right. It kind of feels like things are ramping up a little bit. Well, Nitty, thank you so much Mm -hmm. for joining us this morning. Thank you. All right, we've got another great show for you today, and it is jam-packed. Common is here. Celeste Ng, who's an incredible author, is here, which is so exciting. And you're going to get to see Saeed sit down with Tyra Banks. She told me I was beautiful. It was true. I saw it. It's incredible. But up next, it's Fire Tweets. (laughs) Fire! Fire! 
Welcome back. Hi, hi, hi. Um, I just saw a tweet uh, from Pixmaven. Are you guys going to talk about that crazy Georgia abortion ban? We are. We are. Right after fire tweets. Right after fire tweets. We're going to get into it. Don't <laughs> gotcha, girl. worry. Mm-hmm. But let's do these real quick first. Here we go. Samantha Joel, you tweeted, I just found out that my husband fills the dog's water dish not from the tap, but from the fridge's water purifier feature. She'd do the same for me, he said. Which, yes, love your pets. Treat them the way you would like to be treated. Get them a Christmas present or whatever holiday you celebrate. Cut to the dog. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not do that. Dog's like, I wouldn't even fill your water bowl. <laughs> I'm trying to preserve resources, sir. All right, this next tweet comes from Santiago. Oh, okay, here we go, friends. Good morning to people with brown or black eyes. Y'all with y'all are beautiful. Uh, hazel-eyed people can stay if they sit quietly. Now, the rest of you, you boobafoo-looking-ass bitches. <laughs> I think you, got, you, got, yeah, you kind of nailed it? it. I think you kind of nailed it. The phrase, the boobafoo-looking-ass bitches. Which is a child, you didn't, you didn't. We, go- I, we Googled it. We Googled it. For, you just thought it was a really good diss for I was a like, second. It's a boobafoo? <laughs> We're just making it work. Uh, but yeah, you know, you got to give love to the brown eyes. Yeah. You gotta Fuck g- the rest of y'all. All right, I'm not going to go that far, but absolutely. <laughs> Chad, you tweeted, I'd be at parties with no data, standing in the corner, looking at my setting screen like, damn, this shit's so crazy. <laughs> and that is just absolutely true. You run out low on data plans, but you don't want to talk to anybody at the party. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to, I'd recommend getting a game. I know you're a big fan of... Uh, oh, yeah. I love, what is it, Candy Crush Saga. I'm on level, like, 460. Does that take up data, though? That's the real... It takes up data, and it takes up money. Okay, never much. mind. Yeah. I take Don't it back. Do it. I take it, it back. Um, our next tweet comes from one of our guests today, Celeste Ng. You tweeted... Drove the eight-year-old and his best friend to a birthday party, and I forgot how hilarious it is to listen in on kid conversations. It's like having two little stoners in the backseat. <laughs> I'm going to ask you what they were talking about. You have to. Yeah. It has to be like your first question. Like weird or... combinations of food? Or... Definitely food. Uh-huh. I feel like maybe, you know, dragons, mythical creatures probably come up when kids are talking in the backseat. In stark contrast to the kid the other day who was like, I'm in the back talking to my imaginary boss. <laughs> I don't know what you losers are up to. <laughs> I'm trying to get Work done. Johnson. Johnson. Getting, getting in touch with Johnson. <laughs> Are you ready for this tweet of the day? Uh-huh. Let's do it. Tweet of the day comes from Danette Smith. No one has had a bigger glow up in the last 10 years than cauliflower. It went from being ashy broccoli to being the mystique of vegetables. Always coming at you with a new shape. You want rice, mashed potatoes, pasta, cheese, a man, low-cost housing? Make it from cauliflower. Wait a minute, a man. That I'm telling you, everything is made from cauliflower right now. I still haven't forgiven Michelle Obama for cauliflower. Go tell the okay, story. At the, at the last Obama White House Christmas party, it was delightful, delightful, really good food. And then I went to get the macaroni and cheese, and there was a little note mm-hmm. with like what was in it, and it was like from Michelle Obama's garden mm. on the White House lawn, mm. uh, cauliflower macaroni and cheese. No, girl, <laughs> no. This is what we are not becoming, Michelle Obama, a nation. That was cauliflower. She thinks they would have invited it feels you. Like just painting yellow on macaroni. If they knew you were gonna snitch on Michelle like this, <laughs> that is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Far be it from me to defend cauliflower nice. and macaroni and cheese, but they are actually just making things out of it now. Yeah. Like I was having like pasta the uh-huh. other day, and they're like, "Oh, that's was made from cauliflower." Could you tell? It it wasn't pasta. <laughs> but it wasn't terrible. All right. Coming up, you get to see my interview with Tyra Banks. But up next, we're talking about everything happening in Georgia mm. and with the schools that are forcing those children who can't afford lunches to eat horrible sandwiches instead. Mm. 
welcome back. You asked if we were going to talk about what's going on in Georgia, and here's that conversation. Uh, a tweet from Politico first. Georgia's Republican governor, Brian Kemp, signed legislation banning abortions once a fetal heartbeat can be detected. And that can be as early as six weeks, which is before many women know that they are pregnant. Furthermore, while the law will be challenged in court, there are 12 other abortion-related cases that are much closer to SCOTUS review and could pose a challenge to Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. So, of course, this is hugely significant, not just in the state of Georgia, but in all of those other states as well. Um, and the stakes are very, very high. So we wanted to take some time this morning. And just talk about it. Absolutely. So um, you heard a bit of the detail of, of the law there, but here's a bit more. Um, if not blocked in court, and of course Planned Parenthood, ACLU, other organizations are already mounting legal challenges, but if the new ban you know, is able to move ahead, it would take effect on January 1st. Um, it, 2020. 2020, so Coming yes, up, okay. Coming up soon. Um, the, the HB 481 makes exceptions in the case of rape and incest if a woman uh, files a police report first. Which is a huge if, because even no matter the circumstances, right. We know that so many of rapes and, and, and incest and these kinds of sexual assaults uh, go unnoticed and underreported. Yeah, as do other, you know, pregnancy circumstances. Again, six weeks is very little time um, to, to make a lot of really important decisions. Um, you know, and there are also exceptions uh, if the fetus is determined not to be viable because of serious metal, medical conditions. But this is this is a huge change, a huge change. This and, and it's something that people for a long time have been talking about and being like, oh, well, maybe it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be that bad. Right. This is... Very bad. This is alarming. Here's a tweet from Mark Joseph Stern. Under the new Georgia law, a woman who miscarries could be liable for second degree murder. If prosecutors can prove that she is somehow responsible, she can be imprisoned for 30 years. 30 years. Okay, so this is where we enter, I think, a whole new category. The, the ban itself, you know, uh, it, it makes access just incredibly difficult for healthcare, and that is a problem in and on itself. But this takes us into a phase where also women are afraid of being criminalized. They're afraid of, like, what happens if my kid, did I do things wrong? You know, and this is terrifying, and going through these circumstances on its own is very stressful and anxiety-inducing. And so to know that women are also going to worry about 30 years in prison, we enter in a totally new phase. And, that, and that's, you're looking at like these hyper local, there's also broader repercussions, right? You're going to have healthcare providers who are like, oh, the situation down in Georgia is actually very complicated right. and the law can get involved. We're just gonna steer clear of the state, which of course is going to hurt the residents of Georgia. So we are talking about women's lives on the line in a very serious way. Yeah, I, I read a report that noted that according to a study in 2014 in the state of Georgia, there were about about 14,000 legal abortions performed in the state alone. And people who study women's health and reproductive health always say that when you criminalize abortion, abortions don't stop. Mm -hmm. Legal abortions stop. So you're going to have women, uh, you know, going into unsafe conditions. So it, it's just it's just a calamity. And this is a de facto abortion ban. That This is what it is, okay? Um, so for now, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it with this tweet from Planned Parenthood President Dr. Leanna Wynn. She tweeted, bans on safe legal abortion care like HB 481 in Georgia have nothing to do with health care. They are about power and control over women's 
lives and bodies. And like we mentioned, of course, there are people that are pushing back on this. The bill will go into effect on January 1st, 2020, but it's going to see a lot of time in court first. All right. In other disturbing news, here's a tweet from CNN. A Rhode Island school district is facing accusations of lunch shaming after it announced a limited midday midday meal option of a sunflower seed butter and jelly sandwich for students who are in debt on their school lunch accounts. And this has rightfully taken over the timeline. I I just saw another retweet. Um, Ashley Ford and other people have been talking about it as well. But it is is shameful and embarrassing. Um, As someone who's worked in schools, and of course all of us have been students at different times, you know how embarrassing it is, you know, if if your family's going through problems with finances. I mean, I just want to speak on this. I had had the low-income lunch. Mm -hmm. Like, I had it growing Mm -hmm. up. And so it's very shameful just to be in that moment. You're getting the same lunch, but you just know it, right? And Denez Smith had a great tweet about this. That is something that I've experienced. So all of a sudden to have it like, oh, because you are a child, you are a child, right? but your family owes this school money, Mm -hmm. we are going to give you a different lunch. And I think this, like your time in high school, you know what this is like. Yeah, seeing students, I mean, it's not in a vacuum. Obviously, other kids are going to know what's going on. And so you're adding undue stress to something that's not a kid's fault at all, right? They can't work. And <laughs> they can't make money to pay for their lunches. You're going to have other students looking and seeing, oh, you have that lunch. There's a whole other shit. Like, the pressure of school is already so much. Right. To really police kids' ability to eat at right. school is just so fucked. Unnecessarily cruel. Well, Jeff Liu, founder of lunchdebt.org, tweeted this. Lunch shaming will start in Warwick schools soon. This is an awful way to deal with school lunch debt. The school district even denied a local business owner from donating money to help pay off some of the debt. And I just saw another tweet about this. It was a restaurant owner who tried twice, mm-hmm. two different times, to donate $4,000 to solve this problem, and she was turned down twice. And the school district said all students should be treated treated equally. Denied it twice. Jeff joins us now. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for all of your work. Uh, So this school district in Rhode Island is about to start limiting lunches. Why couldn't they accept that donation from a local business owner? It it could be a lot of local policies that's on, um, you know, with the federal government accepting checks. So it just could be a lot of different things that they need to go through, but it's just uh, it's just awful that they can't accept uh, money because one of business owners trying to uh, send a four thousand dollars check to pay off these debts, but then the school district is uh, letting them know that they cannot uh, do that because they don't know how to allocate it to different uh, students, which ones to do it. Now that on GoFundMe, there's a resident in Rhode Island that's fundraising over twenty five thousand dollars as of last night. Are they going to deny a $25,000 check? That's a huge amount. That's a huge amount. Well, how else is the community responding to this story? Um, are there other efforts underway? Um, community is just, uh, everyone's very angry about it. Everyone's talking about it. All major news outlets are talking about this issue because singling out a student that owes a lot of money with a sunflower butter and jelly sandwich is the same as a cold cheese sandwich. This is an alternative meal. And other kids would know getting it in a brown bag different than their hot meals. Kids are cruel uh, today because of the social media, internet. People will single them out, bully them, say, hey, you're eating poor people's food. So people are trying to uh, get this school district to change their policy, hopefully. They put out a statement yesterday uh, addressing all the facts, who owes the money, and uh, the kids are still f- getting fed a lunch. But I know local owners like that pizza owner uh, tried many times to send money in. 
there's a GoFundMe on the way or working right now in Rhode Island. I'm not sure how uh, how much it is right now, but I'm sure it's going up. I'm, I'm confident that person that's raising money, uh, I believe her name is Caitlin, is going to hit that $77,000 that the whole school district owes. Uh, community is really coming together, and I really think how these kids are going to be helped. Okay, let's broaden the aperture just a little bit, though, because it's not just this one community in Rhode Island. Um, lunch debt has been a problem in this country for a long time. So could you just talk a little bit about the history behind all of this and, and the other ways that people kind of combat it? Yes. So um, I believe lunch debt has been ongoing ever since I was in elementary school and public school. But I just didn't put it together that my friends didn't have the money and were getting the brown bag lunch so what this lunch debt is, basically, if a kid doesn't have money to pay for school meals, it gets charged to their account. Uh, school policies uh, are varied from state to state, um, district to district. And uh, if they don't have enough uh, money or hit a certain amount, uh, meals get denied. Some get uh, used to get lunches thrown out completely, which is very awful. And uh, some people get an alternative meal like a cold cheese sandwich and an apple in the milk or just crackers and an apple for high school, uh, which is still not enough for them to focus for the day. And a lot of uh, you know advocates like me are fighting for it. And uh, right now, we're just spreading awareness through uh, just talking to media like like BuzzFeed, uh, just you know fundraising money. A lot of school districts are accepting donations. They have these uh, funds that are willing to uh, pay off these school lunch debts. And some school districts are paying off the ones that have the biggest needs or the oldest ones. So there is a way. So I'm hoping uh, Rhode Island finds a way. So. Communities around the nation, including what I did uh, with Seattle Public School Districts, are fundraising money, are talking to local school districts, uh, talking to legislators to change the law. And uh, things are, you know, working well. It's just that we can't just lunch shame these kids. Uh, it's just awful. They can't focus and learn to become the next future leader of this country. Absolutely. Cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, Jeff, thank you for your work and for joining us this morning. No problem. Thank you for having me on. Have a good day. And I, I want to make like one note, like kids are cruel, period. Like True. social social media has definitely helped. But as somebody that kind of grew up in this kind of circumstance, like it's just like kids can be mean. And Absolutely. That's why. And they can also be wonderful and they can be generous. And that's why to put these kids in these situations is just so cold hearted. Yeah. I, I just keep thinking of the Felicity Huffmans and the Lori Lachlan's of the mm. world paying all that money for their kids who, you know, because this impacts high school students as well, cheating to get into college. And then we have kids being shamed for poverty because their parents can't even afford to feed their children. This it's is our country. It's not a sin to be poor. Well, for now, we're going to leave it there. Um, up next, I'm talking to the wonderful author, Celeste Ng. She's great on Twitter, great in the books, and she's about to be great on your TV and movie screens. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I'm joined now by the, by, by the woman behind Little Fires Everywhere and Everything I Never Told You, award-winning novelist Celeste Ng. Hello. Hi, Celeste. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> of course, of course. I've wanted this for a while, to be honest. Um, so earlier this morning, we read one of your tweets in Fire Tweets. Congratulations. Um, here it is. Uh, drove the eight-year-old and his BFF to a birthday party, and I forgot how hilarious it is to listen in on kid conversations. It's like having two little stoners in the back seat. Now, we were just talking about how quickly we forget about what we just tweeted. But do you remember this? What were we talking about? I do. It was, I mean, it was a good long drive. And so they were talking about time travel. And my, oh, friend's, wow. my friend's best friend, out of apropos of absolutely nothing, said, did you know if you sent someone back in time a minute behind you, 
you would never see that person again. And they both kind of sat there and thought about it. And then my son said, if you sent them one second into the future, then really soon that would be your present and then it would be in the future and they would be behind you. And there was this odd silence. I and love I, it. They were like the gravity of it all. And I'm just driving. Like, I love it. Eavesdropping and like trying to remember everything they said. It was fantastic. Incredible. What wonderful imaginations too. And, you know, science. Um, so your book, uh, Little Fires Everywhere, was just released in paperback mm -hmm. and it's also in the process of being turned into a limited miniseries by Hulu. So excited. Awesome. Um, what's it like watching one of your novels come to life? So far, it's honestly, in a different way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. So far, it's been really great, and I think it's because I'm trying to keep in mind like it's going to be different, and I want that. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. my favorite adaptations are things that are sort of like a cover song. You want the artist mm -hmm. to put their own spin on okay. it. And my husband keeps saying, like, are you feeling like protective yet? And I'm like, no. Yeah, how involved are you with it? Um, so I get to be one of the voices at the table, which mm -hmm. is really, um, really generous and amazing cool. of the group. But um, I feel like the group of people that I'm working with, with Reese, Carrie, Liz Teaglar, who's the showrunner, and Lauren Neustadter, mm -hmm. who's the producer, um, they really get the book, and mm. I trust them. So um, I read all the scripts. I got to go out and sit in on the writer's room, which wow. was really fun. I got to give them notes, um, and I'm, I'm up to date on what's going on. But everything they do, I'm kind of like, yeah, I love that. It fits the heart of the book. That's so good to hear. Yeah. That's so good to hear. Well, and, and to that point, I mean, Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington have been cast as the leads. Yeah. And, you know, following them on social media, they are both, you know, they're very literary-minded women and business people. They are super, they super read smart. They read a lot. They yeah. read a lot. Yeah. yeah. So are they kind of what you were envisioning when you were writing the characters? I mean, when I write, I try never to think about how it's going to, you know, what's going to happen to it because it might not pan out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I basically terrify myself if I think about people reading the book. So I just lie to myself and I say, no one is ever going to read this. <laughs> so I had to do some mental adjusting once it actually happens. But once they told me, you know, once Reese said, you know, I, I would like to play Elena mm -hmm. Richardson, I was like, she's, she's perfect. She okay. would, would have been my dream cast. And then when they brought in Carrie, which was their uh -huh. idea, I was like, she's the exact right person to do that. Incredible. I can't wait. You get to see Carrie Washington do that thing with her mouth. Yes. You know? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I love it. she does it. I yeah. love it. Um, I saw also that you're a huge fan of Big Little Lies. I am, Same. yeah. It comes back in June, just in time for Pride Month, because I feel like women and gays are powering <laughs> that damn show. Um, what's it like seeing it go into its second season? What are you? What are your expectations? I'm really excited, because I feel like, you know, the first one was based on a novel, so they mm -hmm. had a story that they... And it kind of completes the it story? It completes the story, okay. yeah. And then I feel like now they're going to take a, a new leap, and I'm really excited to see how they do it. Yeah. Um, sort of how... Because I, I feel like they're going to... They've got these characters and they've done all the groundwork. Right. So I'm just basically, I'll follow them anywhere they want to go. They want to go into space and become <laughs> like, I don't know, like yeah. the new Avengers. I'm there. I love it. I watched the first, I binge watched the first yeah. season. So this time I'll, I'm going to watch it one week at See, a time. that's what I did. And it was mm -hmm. the first time I, I watched it as it came out. And it was mm -hmm. the first time since maybe like high school mm -hmm. when I was like an X-Files fan where I was like, I have to tune in at the time. Right. It's on because like, I'm going to clear my calendar. Uh -huh. And it was sort of fun to have to wait okay. and do that. All right. So tell, you just, I'll see if I enjoy it. See if you enjoy it. We'll, we'll see how yeah. we feel. Well, here's the thing. You've just, you're all over the place, lady. Uh, your debut <laughs> novel, Everything I Never Told You, is also headed for the big screen, starring, oh, just Julia Roberts. No big deal. Um, what's it like turning a novel um, into a movie? Like, that seems like a, a different kind of experience from the miniseries adaptation. It is. In the, I'm, I'm learning all this sort of as I go. So with the miniseries, you have eight hours to fill. Mm -hmm. um, and so they get to 
kind of expand on mm -hmm. what you've got there and fill in some of the parts that you have to skip over okay. to write your 300-page mm -hmm. novel. Uh, in the movie, they have to trim because you've only got maybe two can't hours. Yeah, you can't do it all. Um, and so it's really interesting to kind of watch the screenwriter sort of boil down to what's really the, the heart of the book. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, the screenwriter, Julia Cox, did a really great job. So I've seen the script. Um, I know they've, they've been working on it, and now they've got Julia cast as Marilyn, the mom, which I feel like is, is just a great, great casting. I love it. This is so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. I have to tell you, even, mm -hmm. even my mom was impressed. My mom is not easily impressed okay. with people on Twitter. Twitter, no. Uh, I tweeted about, you know, I, I sent her a text saying like, hey, mom, look, here's the New York Times bestseller list. And her response was like, great, cool. Mm -hmm. I'm, all right, I'm going to brunch. I'll talk to you later. Um, <laughs> but she was very impressed about uh -huh. Julia Roberts. Like that got her I attention. Mean, that's very exciting. So that was, that was all I had. If I'd known that was all I had to do was. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> You're like, I would have been fine. I would have been fine. Um, well, I, one last thing I want to ask you, you are just thriving out here and you, you thrive on the timeline as well. You are a very successful writer who seems to genuinely enjoy Twitter and, and talking about different issues. When you think about Twitter right now and your experience, what's on your mind? Like, what, what's something that you're just really kind of finding yourself gravitating toward a lot on the timeline? I'm really just sort of interested in hearing what people are doing. Like, mm -hmm. um, Twitter is a place that reminds me, honestly, that people are still good and care about things. Because mm. um, I, when I read the news, um, I get really depressed. Sure. And it feels like things show up and barely make a dent. Like, there was a school shooting that happened in right. Colorado that mm -hmm. I did not find out about until the next day. Like, right. it just didn't even break the news cycle. But when I went on Twitter, people were talking about mm -hmm. it. And for all, Twitter has this reputation of kind of, you know, oh, it comes and goes and you, you lose stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like it is a place where people are having conversations. And since I work in my house, House. Mm. It's nice to go there and have conversations with people that I know mm -hmm. and at least talk about these things and process and grieve and, and celebrate too. Yeah. I yeah, agree. it's it's a nice, it is a community in yes. its own weird way. Yeah, it's definitely one of the, the, the glimmers of hope on Twitter is like finding those conversations. It is, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're creating conversations. Celeste, thanks for joining us this Thank morning. Thank you so much for having me. Such Sydney. a delight. Guys, uh, make sure to grab a copy of Little Fires Everywhere. It's in paperback and bookstores everywhere. Um, get it before the miniseries comes out. All right, don't be mad about spoilers. <laughs> Up next, Sylvia is sitting down with Common. What a morning. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm sitting down with Grammy and Oscar-winning musician, actor, and author, Common. Hi. How you doing, Sylvia? Good, how are you? Great, great. Good. So your new book, Let Love Have the Last Word, is the second book you've written. Yeah. How is it different from um, One Day It All Makes Sense? I think, you know, this book was motivated by um, the journey of my life, where I am right now, and experiences I've had, not from not like it's not a like chronological story um it's more like written from anecdotes and um stories that have led me to know what love is in a better way or to know where I failed in love it really i think the seed of it really came from me looking at these times and being like man what can i do and what can we do to to make people feel better yeah. You know, like in, in times that feel so heavy, mm -hmm. that feel so divisive, what is the, the, the thing that can overcome that? And I felt, feel that the practice of love itself, yeah. you know. And one very timely issue that everybody's speaking up about today that you address in your book is you opened up about being molested as a child. Yes. Um, is that why you chose to open up about it in the book? Because of like the moment in the, or was there a different reason you chose to write about it? Well, yeah, I... I chose to write about it first and foremost because I, 
I, I see it as part of my healing. Right. You know, um, and it's therapeutic for me. But one thing I found through music, through writing books, um, and just opening up as a human being, you can help heal others when you tell yeah. your story. Mm -hmm. you, you create a space where people feel like they can talk about it. And me being an artist that's out there, you know, doing things and, you know, showing people, look, I want to be positive. I also feel like it's important to show the, the not the flaws, but the hurt, the fear, yeah. and, the, and the way that I'm working through it. You know, because entertainers, we have a tendency to show you all the good times. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's great for everybody to see, yo, well, we, we all go through these things. Right. Yeah, and I, and I want young people to feel like, man, I'm, I've experienced some of these things or some type of trauma, and I can talk about it, especially as, as a black man. Like, yeah. we don't, like, I've had certain men reach out to me and be like, man, thank you for saying that. Right. I've experienced this or, and I, I mean, you know, and, it, and it's important to me because there's no other reason to do it at that point if, if you can't really, if it can't be part of the healing. No, for sure. I mean, definitely what stood out to me, especially about, I mean, being vulnerable is always powerful, like you mentioned. Yeah. But, you know, you being a black man and a hip hop artist, I feel like those are two it, like places in which this conversation does not happen yeah. from the male perspective. Yeah. And I think there's definitely power in sharing it, you know, for and giving that type of representation. Yeah. Me. I mean, and, and it does, you know, initially you're walking around and these conversations going on, you're like, wait. I really talked about this and, and then, you know, it's like, okay, like I, and, and I have to talk about this. Yeah. And, but the, the support that I've gotten, I mean, different people have reached out to me and been like, man, anything you need, I'm here. It just shows me how good human beings we are, you yeah. know, like as a, as a society, you know, I feel like the way people have reached out to me, it, you know, I just feel like, man, that's, that's what, that's the nature that I want us to bring forth, you know, like this book is for for me to bring forth my best person mm -hmm. and and work on that. And know that that's a daily practice, and I and I, I'm seeing that come out of people like every day. Yeah, and does the reaction make you feel like? you know, we're getting better as a society or even like just even the music industry and how they've had a hard time with me to being able to permeate it. Like, do you feel like those things are getting better and do you feel like things couldn't change in that sense? Yes, I feel like, you know, the long history of things that have been wrong when it comes to sexism and racism, it's like we, we trying, we're doing our best to unlearn it, to like, to remove it, but it's been a long history, so it takes time. But the fact that we've been discussing it, we're trying to figure out ways. It's not going to just happen overnight because it's been hundreds of years, thousands of years when it comes to like sexism, to be honest. And, yeah. and then the racism that existed in America since the beginning of America. Like, mm -hmm. So these are things that we, we, we're figuring out like and we, we using tools and having those conversations. But the fact that people are speaking up about it and saying things and, and trying to figure out ways is, is a testament to our humanity as, as a society. And I think that things are getting better. Yeah. So one thing that I admire about the way you carry yourself, like even when you were, the way you're transparent in your books and, you know, mm -hmm. in your music, but somehow still manage to keep your private life somewhat pri more private than most celebrities. Like yeah, yeah. there's a balance there, right? How do you manage that? Especially like, say, maybe in your love life. Like right. how do you balance like yeah. being transparent and but like, you know, keeping it private? You know, what I've learned as far as having relationships, um, especially you know, being an artist and out there, you 
you know, you want to have a security in that relationship before you start sharing it publicly. Mm -hmm. Because once you share it publicly, it's like, okay, you, you're subjected to other things, you outside know, forces. outside forces. So you want to build that strong foundation, is, right. you know, and, and I, I'm a believer in like, man, you keep family business is family business. And the things that I, the things that I do share that I'm, that's really personal to me, it's with purpose. Like I'm telling my story for, for, um, for healing, for, for the healing of others. Like me sharing my relationship story is not going to you know, it's not yeah. going to benefit anybody, you know, so it's like I don't exploit. This is not exploitation. Right. I'm not here to be exploited, you mm -hmm. know. Like these stories are because I care for, for myself and for people. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's how I approach it. Yeah. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to acknowledge a woman that I'm with, but right. yeah. Which was the hardest of relationships to keep private? Um, probably dating Serena was hard to keep private because she's such a, a big... Um, figure, international yeah. figure. Um, and, you know, Serena at that time was everywhere doing yeah. things. I mean, she's everywhere now, but it was like, she was on the move doing a lot of things. And we both were younger and like, yeah. wasn't even trying to keep it private at that point, <laughs> you know, so. But, but that's why I say you learn from certain things. And not that I, you know, at a, at a certain point it's not, you're not going to be able to keep it private. But right. I think when you first, initially building a relationship, it's important that you you create a certain foundation. Mm -hmm. You know, even, I think that for everyday, you know, people that's not a celebrity or not on a public platform, you know, I think, you know, you want to build a strong foundation with, within Person. the two. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes, you know, friends, people start making yeah. their comments and you like... No, it's real. I'm not, listen, I'm popping up on Instagram with a ring. They're yeah. like, oh, I didn't even know you were in a relationship because <laughs> it's just too much. Yeah, it's too I much. Because ultimately, you got to, <laughs> the person you with, you know, you need to feel strong about them. And, and, and point blank, we all get influenced by if, if mom make a comment about this person, uh, you know, <laughs> your, your close friends say, Somebody oh, slides in your DM yeah, like, yeah. oh, wait, you know her too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they can, that can affect, you know, your thoughts. So I'd rather keep it as pure as possible and then, you know, yeah. move forward from there. Well, um, moving on to a, another woman in your life, your daughter, who yes. you also, you write about your relationship with her in the book. Yeah. Um, I think you, that's another place where you've really done a good job as far as like keeping her out of the spotlight. Yeah. For like a lot of celebrity kids are very much in it, but like, she, you know, is that some, now that she's like off into college, are you concerned about being able to maintain that same level of like her having her life separate from yours? Well, I think, you know, we did a good job. I have to you know, give credit too to her mother who was also a strong, she played a strong, uh, had a strong presence in making sure that, that Moye like wasn't like caught up in the spotlight, didn't even like ha have that desire. Like we, we tried to let her values be something that was more or less w within herself. Like mm -hmm. let her be like feel good about herself, not because, you know, her dad is this, you know, artist or, Anybody else, we wanted her value to be within herself, and I think that's what it is. She could be proud of me, but she's not like trying to draw off me. She's not trying to do everything. Besides, get she wanted her tickets to the show. Right. You know, like, <laughs> she's gonna get that. That's regular stuff, you know. <laughs> right. gonna, but 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 that being said, I think it was you know important to, to to just let her find what she wanted to be and who she wanted to be, and and you know in certain ways is not going. She's not going to be shielded from 
from like what the industry and, and what the things, the benefits that I get and some of the negative, cause she's been on, on the campus and people been like, oh, that's Common's doing. And she's took some heat too. So I feel for her in that way. But you know, with some, with some of the bad comes the good too. Right. She also has some great benefits. So, um, you know, we appreciate that. And I just think she's a, a very smart, intelligent, wise young lady. So she's living her life. Congrat, um, she's graduating from college tomorrow, so. Oh, wow, yeah. congratulations to her. Yeah, um, and to you, the parents. Thank I you, congrats to her. <laughs> she did a lot of hard work, you know, so congrats. Yeah, yeah. well, um, thank you so much for joining us, Common. Yeah, I really enjoyed you. talking to you about this in your book. Um, you can get Let Love Have the Last Word. It's available wherever books are sold. Up next, Saeed is talking to Tyra Banks. Stay tuned. Hello, my queens. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with supermodel turned entrepreneur and media mogul and founder of Model Land, Ms. Tyra Banks. Well, hello. Hello. Thank you for all of this. Thank you. you I've know already what? gotten my life. Are, are you getting your life? I am. Because I did not make it to the Met Ball this year, and okay. I'm like, I'm bringing the oh, Met Ball sir? to the sit okay. down, honey. Yeah, let's this evaluate. Is, yeah, this is Judy okay. Bankson. You understand? <laughs> Me, George Jetson, <laughs> his wife, Judy Bankson. I love it. I love it. Do you follow the Met Gala every year? Do you, are you checking out the looks. I am so into it. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Zendaya and La Roach. <sighs> so Cinderella good. And so good. And, and leaving her glass slipper. And oh, I didn't see the slipper. Oh, when she was going up no, the stairs, she, she intentionally left her glass slipper. I was like, you better oh, do it. You better do it. Who was your favorite look? Was, was Zendaya your favorite? I love the moment of the magic happening yes. because Modeling's all about magic, actually. Okay. So I'm like very attracted to that. And yes. I love Disney and all that. So okay. that touched my... It was beautiful. Yeah. I was like, from Brandon to Zendaya, look at yeah. us. I love, I love it. Well, first of all, congratulations Thank on you. being swimsuit issue cover model again for Sports Thank Illustrated. You. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you, and you look fabulous. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. So beautiful. We love that lemonade yellow. Um, <laughs> you came out of retirement, 13 years of modeling retirement yeah. for this cover shoot. I did. Why, what was important yeah. for you? Well, first of all, I, I decided to come back to Sports Illustrated because mm -hmm. it is the magazine that changed my life. Okay. Like, I was a very known model, high mm -hmm. fashion mm -hmm. model, but I got on the cover of SI and it made me a household name. Mm -hmm. It's almost like in 24 hours back yeah. in the day when the whole world was looking right. at the same thing mm -hmm. all at once. Mm -hmm. And and I pay homage to that. And so I said, I'm coming out of retirement and it's going to be SI. Now, the reason why mm -hmm. I came out of retirement mm -hmm. is I retired from modeling because of age. Okay. I felt like I needed to walk away from them mm. before they could break up with me. Okay. All and right. so I'm like, I'm 32 years old, mm -hmm. and my mama said, leave before they can kick you out. You want to do it on your terms. Yes. Like, you know, Jordan went in, mm -hmm. boom, uh -huh. got the ring out. Bye. Yeah. However, with Modeland and just everything that I'm saying about right. beauty is mm -hmm. all ages, all sizes, mm -hmm. all this, yet I left the industry because of age. Okay. I needed to now say, wow. you know, let me put myself where my message is. Mm -hmm. I can't just put a 42-year-old girl, that a woman that is also a grandmom on mm -hmm. America's Next Top Model and say age doesn't matter. Mm. And I retired because of age. Wow. So now I'm like coming out saying... I'm back. I love it. Banks is back, baby. Banks is back. And uh, I love that you're, so you're going forward, your modeling name's gonna be Banks. Banks, B A. -N -X. Where's that coming from? What's this, with an X? Where's that, yes. what's the story there? Well, first of all, I teach personal branding at Stanford Business School. Okay, yeah. okay, shout out yeah. to Stanford Business yeah. School. Yeah, Allah. You better do all it. All my students, my co-teacher, <laughs> Allison, Allison Kluger, Allah. I love it. And, and I talk to them about like, you know, having a message and keeping mm -hmm. it very succinct mm -hmm. and how can you give your origin story or your elevator pitch mm -hmm. really tight. Mm -hmm. So for me, 
I want to use my name. I don't okay. want to change it. I'm not like P. Diddy or something okay. totally different. <laughs> Love you, Puffy. Um, but yeah, you have to do that. You actually have to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, like, don't mean anything. Know. It's fine. Okay, you don't want to text later. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm totally inspired by him, to uh-huh. be honest. Um, but I want to still use who I am, but mm-hmm. to say this is a new me, mm-hmm. this is an older me, this is a thicker me, mm-hmm. this is a wiser me, this is a thankful me. Mm-hmm. And to put that X on the end mm-hmm. to say... It's B A N X mm-hmm. to tell people X what you heard about what beauty is. Okay. It's all shades. It's all ages. Mm-hmm. It's all sizes. It's all sexual orientations. Mm-hmm. It is everything. I love and that. I'm putting that on my back. Okay. With that X, like. Own it. Yeah. Own it. I love it. Um, I, I was saying to my producers this morning, I'm a little embarrassed. So uh, when you were your first solo um, swimsuit issue yeah. cover, which was 1997, yes. um, you've been on it before, 1996, yeah. making history, yeah. first black woman there, um, so beautiful. I, it was one of the moments that let me know I'm gay. Now, let me explain. Oh, explain. Let you looked me at explain, it and you were like, okay, there it is. Okay. And I was getting my life and I was at school talking with boys. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, she looks so great. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they started, like, as boys doing, being like, I wish you would take it off. I wish you would <laughs> and I, I, did, I was smart enough to be quiet, but in my head, I was like, well, I think it would be disrespectful for her to have to show more. And then in my head, I went, oh, I think. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I took you out of your own closet inside yourself. I was yourself. like, oh, okay, look, you're teaching us. I love teaching that. Teaching us. Um, but, well, but I do want to ask you, you know, being back in modeling now, what has changed? What's Everything. it either for yourself and the industry? Everything has mm-hmm. changed. I think social media has redefined what a model is. Mm. I think America's Next Top Model redefined what a model is, and it's mm. helping to redefine what beauty is. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a model, it was kind of cookie cutter. It was like, you had to be this tall, right. you had to be kind mm-hmm. of this weight. I started to gain weight, and they were like, bitch, we're about to cut you okay. out of this industry <laughs> if you don't lose some weight. Uh-huh. You know, so it was a, a much different time, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited to be coming back in this world mm-hmm. where I feel that if you have a camera phone mm-hmm. and you have posted selfies on mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, mm-hmm. there's a model in you. I love that. You are working on a personal brand and mm-hmm. taking control of that. And mm-hmm. so I love coming back and, and saying, you know, mama's back. Mama's back. <laughs> yeah. um, and speaking of social media, uh, you know, the memes from the show and from your talk <laughs> show like are still out here. And, yeah. you know, just the other day I was mad at Frank Ocean. What did I he did do? The, well, you know, I don't think he really participated in the theme at the Met Gala. What did he do? Uh, he just showed up like basically dressed like a security guard, like not even a, like just like a little puffy jacket and like a tuxedo. And I used the, we were rooting for you. Oh, did you? (laughs) Were you rooting for Frank Ocean? I was rooting for you, Frank Ocean. So I I wanted (laughs) to ask you about that. What's it like seeing moments from past work and different, you know, uh, projects you've done continue to live online? You know, what's interesting is today people do a lot of loud, splashy things because Mm -hmm. they want to get a lot of likes. Right. They want people to make memes. Mm -hmm. I was just being my wacky self, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, before <laughs> social media and just, uh-huh. and now they're all like mm-hmm. here. Uh-huh. And so I, it's interesting because there was no strategy behind it. Okay. It was just me having fun and okay. being on Top Model and my talk show and just really wanting to penetrate to the audience and to connect. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's quite memeable. Quite memeable. Yeah, I love it. Sometimes when I'm sending text to people, I'll uh-huh. like search myself. Oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, oh you no, you didn't. And I find something. It's very useful. <laughs> just like search. I need a tire reaction for this moment right here. Exactly. I love it. To that point, um, just the, just the other week, um, Pete Buttigieg and his husband Chastin were on the cover of Time magazine. Oh yes. Very cool. Seeing a gay couple, you know, framed in the presidential conversation. And his Pete's husband tweeted, "Is this smizing huh? Tyra Banks? What what do you think? Can you take the photo?" I responded to him and I said. Duh. 
you were like, oh, if you had to ask. Uh-huh. I tweeted him back and I was like, duh, it's amazing. Love I it. was so touched that, yeah. you know, potential presidential pretty candidate, cool. like, pretty cool. you know, his husband mentioned smizing. I love it. Are there other candidates you've been looking who you think have been pretty good at smizing? And- oh, Kamala Harris has a smize. I was about she? to say, she's very fierce. She's got a smize. Yeah, she's got a look. Mm-hmm. Looks good in the pearl necklaces mm-hmm. and everything. Um, you <laughs> mentioned uh, Model Land earlier. Yeah. So what's the tea there? Is it's an amusement park? Is um, it experience? It is, it is, it is, an, it is a, a, an attraction. Ooh, okay. It is not an amusement park. We're okay. not acres and acres and acres okay. big. Just like yet. thousands and thousands of models. I Thousand, was like, no, yeah, it is not about professional more. models. Okay. It is about taking modeling to the masses. Okay. So when I first was modeling, it was about me, me, me. How okay. many covers can I get? How many runways can I walk? Mm-hmm. How many doors can I right. break down? Yeah. Created America's Next Top Model. Mm-hmm. How many women and guys around the world? Because we're in also 40 countries mm-hmm. with international versions and the American versions in 180 some countries. Wow. So I wanted to break doors down for them and expand okay. the definition of yeah. beauty, but only a couple people per year could experience mm-hmm. it while thousands and millions around the world watch. Mm-hmm. And that was them, 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 my models. Right. Now I want it to be about us, us, us. Okay. Families, guys, girls, okay. moms, dads, sisters. Mm-hmm. Everybody can come to Model Land mm-hmm. and be the fantasy versions of themselves. Discover their unique beauty, okay. have us validate their beauty mm-hmm. while they are having fun. Like you can dress up and be a model for mm-hmm. a day, get the most amazing pictures that you have ever seen. You can eat and oh, there's okay. fashion shows mm-hmm. and there is shopping. It is an extravaganza it. and it's the first of many. And Los Angeles is the first one that we're launching okay. at the end of this year. Uh-huh. We're gonna be all around the world. That sounds so fun. I mean, to that point, for people who are like, oh, beauty, fashion, whatever, it's vain. I, I think there I think beauty matters. Yeah. You know, it does. beauty matters like art or or uh, news or anything. What would you say to people who underestimate the yeah. value of beauty and celebrating it? I think what should be celebrated is unique beauty. Mm. That everybody has something. I have this weird thing that as soon as I meet mm-hmm. somebody, I find the one thing that mm-hmm. attracts my eye to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. I immediately what did I say to you when I first saw you? Oh my God, I love your hair. Oh, that's Did you hear true. me say that? Oh and now I'm looking at your eyebrows and oh. I'm looking at the reddish brown color of your skin that's very Native American meets African American. You know, there's all these things that I'm <laughs> that I'm seeing mm-hmm. that are that are beautiful. And mm-hmm. you, the, the nose and your nose ring and your lips oh kind of remind me of Montel cool. Jordan, right. 1990. You know, so there's like these things that uh-huh. I see immediately mm-hmm. that I think are beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's some things that are traditionally beautiful mm-hmm. about you. There's some things that are uniquely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that mix mm-hmm. creates this beautiful gumbo. I love it. And so I, I want to teach people to find that in themselves, mm-hmm. that we don't need to look like a cookie cutter. Like right. I remember my modeling agent told me that if your forehead was smaller, Tyra, you would be commercial and boring. That big ass five head mm. is gonna make you a high fashion model. Wow. So I want people to okay. find those things in themselves uh-huh. that are like unique, interesting, and different. And have that confidence. Have yeah. that confidence. I also, before I let you go, I had to ask your mom. Yes. You're a mom and you're very proud of your like uh, what has I mean, obviously becoming a parent changes, I imagine, a lot of everything. things. <laughs> And everything, but but what's one thing that being a mom has changed for you? Um, I think it has changed when I get home mm-hmm. after work. I can't just go on email okay. and just disappear mm-hmm. and go into my world. Mm-hmm. I walk through that door, mama, let me show you about my dinosaur. <laughs> Baby shark, mommy shark, mommy shark. You know, it is uh-huh. just like that is that focus. Mm-hmm. That is my baby. And mm-hmm. he will let me know if I am too busy. Mm. He will let his Nana know if Mm. she is too busy. Mm. And then you realize, you know what? This email can Mm. wait. Like you are my everything and you're not gonna be three forever. Mm, you know, so it's it's like that working mom thing, like mm-hmm. we're working really hard and yeah. that you toggle are. back yeah. and forth, you know, mm-hmm. but um 
He's he's my precious. I love him so much. I love and it. He can smile. And he can smile. It's natural. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm so happy for him and for you. Thank you. You have been bringing, I think, joy and you know hope to people. Like being like, thank yeah, you, you can look at yourself. Go check yourself out in the mirror and get your life. Like that yeah. matters to people. Yes. Uh, so thank you for continuing to thank come back you. and welcome back, Miss Banks. Thank you. I love it. All right, guys. I you- love that I made you know that you were gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, thank can you. Can we bottle that? The young men of North Texas say thank. Thank you, Tyra. And the new ones that are looking at the cover, oh, the Yellow Swimsuit 2019, are having true. the experience that you I had love 20, it. I love it. That's right. two years ago. Listen, if you are a young man and you're looking and you see uh, Tyra in that yellow and you're like, ah, Tyra, she looks great. Lemonade, I need to go listen to it. You <laughs> are on a journey, friend, and I celebrate you. <laughs> I love it. Guys, you can grab the new issue, the 2019 Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. Today, it's everywhere. I love it. Get your lives. Share it. Uh, stay tuned for more AMs and DMs. What was it like to just have Tyra Banks just tell you for a minute? I'm, I'm going to go it was over very overwhelming. I'm going to say a minute 30 just it was, how beautiful you are. Um, Great. Yes. But also, I mean, it's into, I'm like, because she was really looking and she is very she was striking. She like examining. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, we're still going. We're still going. Okay. But you best believe I want that as a clip. So go ahead, AMTD. Clip that and tweet it out. Okay, I want to say Put that to my in the phone, archives. I'm just gonna be walking around. Yeah, just playing it real loud. Get like a portable no speaker so you can yeah. hear it real good. And I love that she embraces her role in creating more gay people. There, that was <laughs> truly a beautiful moment. <laughs> truly a also beautiful good. And she's moment. just incredible. She's incredible. It's, 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 striking, you know, here's the thing. She was the first black woman on the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue and then the first black woman to have her solo cover the following year. So, you know, she's so striking. She is iconic. Mm -hmm. I know we use that word all the time, or at least I do. But to actually see an icon in person, it's a little overwhelming. And we had a couple of those, but we'll get get into it. What a day. Okay, until then, (laughs) uh, we wanted to know if you are loving Tuca and Birdie, you better. Uh, And if there's another show that you would recommend right now and Princess Slaya says, Tuka and Birdie is wonderful. I haven't gotten too far of it into, uh, because of school. That's right, school, education. Um, but <laughs> I've enjoyed it. Uh, I've also said this once before, but I'm going to say it again. Oh, Hilda mm. is perfect. It mm. is good. Um, it's so wholesome. Agretsuko? Yeah. Um, You're you just you living the job. life out there, Princess Slaya. Um, it's also perfect if you love animals, women, and work life balance. Dude, I'm telling you, that one, Atsuko, is incredible. Okay. She's just, it's like very much about an office life, but then she loves to go do scream metal at the karaoke bar. It's <laughs> really fun. I like it. Mousy Core added, I love the She Ra reboot on Netflix. It's so sweet, and the animation and design are so lovely. It's everything I could have ever wanted from a remake of my child. Fandom, yeah. and that's another I've seen one. It a few times and been like, should I? I feel like it's you can go through them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. It's pretty short, and I really enjoy that one. Okay, too, for sure. Gee, what I, I think like I'm Dragon learning Birds. about myself is I've watched a lot of animation. It I mean, same. Dragon Birds. Hilda is incredible. Yeah, it's very. It's just really, really good. Uh, Kirsten Baptiste tweeted, "Dang, y'all got common, common, and Tyra in one episode. Phew! That's what we call a flex. What a day! That's what we call a flex. No that flex. is pretty." Incredible to have two people of that level on the show. And that conversation that Sylvia had with Common was wonderful. Did everyone know Common dated Serena? Was that Common? 
<laughs> you did it to yourself. <laughs> you trapped yourself, and you did it to yourself. And I, I liked know. it. I'll tell you this: I did not know either. And that Shout was and, and that was one of the things. He's like, I try to keep my private life a little private. Uh, some people did know. If you dated Serena, though. Have a tendency to bring it up. That's- also, also the tea that I also got in the control room as I was going around. Tell me everything about Common and Serena. Drake was the rebound. All right. Before we go, we have a new lower third T-shirt <laughs> poll. Vote for it. And here they are. These are real lower thirds. Horny morning Twitter. Oh, okay. Camp Twitter is not camp. Okay. And everything is not fine. All right. Only one of those makes any kind of sense to me. <laughs> I'll let you decide which one, though. Okay, thank you to all of our guests, Nitty Prakash, Sylvia Obell, Jeff Liu, Celeste Ing, Common, and Tyra Banks. Man, what Celeste was so we wonderful, that conversation. She's so amazing. If you haven't read her books, you absolutely should. We will be here tomorrow at 10 a.m. It will be Friday. You're almost through your week. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. <laughs>